You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Hello, and welcome to the Milestone Pursuit podcast. Today we've got a little recovery ramble, a bit of a jog around Epping Forest, and a bit of a natter. It is Sunday the 11th of July, it's around about 2.30. The European Championship final has not taken place, but it is going to be the subject of, of, the, uh, of the ramble today. And really this run in itself is a little bit of a, a distraction, a holding pattern. This eight o'clock kickoff is taking forever to arrive. I feel for the people who've got a bit overexcited and who probably hit the pub early and won't remember how much of the game. But anyway, it's the second distraction for me today. I've already had Loughton, Loughton under 11's cricket team take a second last ball thriller victory against Upminster with my oldest boy scoring slightly less runs than he conceded off his bowling but it was his first game of hard ball cricket so that's an exciting day exciting morning for him and another distraction this afternoon right now is that Djokovic is going for his 20th Grand Slam at Wimbledon there's so much going on and then we've got the football later and as I said I'm going to be talking about talking about that there's going to be loads of stuff there's already been loads of stuff about Southgate and how he's created a winning formula what it's doing for the nation loads of it and there'll be even more of it in the months and years to come particularly if England win tonight so what I'm offering here is my own perspectives both as a fan and as a coach and a coach in endurance sport but also as a coach in business so just thinking about some of those things and thinking about some of the things we're witnessing and how to apply them in other places in our life none of it will be unique And some of it you may well disagree with, and that's fine. That's all part of it. So there's my caveats out of the way. I'm a fan, I'm a coach. It's a personal perspective. That you may well disagree with. And it's interesting actually because just a few weeks ago I had my own little football final the East End Lions under 8s of which I'm the manager played in their little cup final 
three or four weeks ago now, beginning of June. Uh, no, end of June, end of June. And I said to them before the game, really clear message, or at least I tried to make it clear, that I was really proud of everything they'd achieved all season. They've been brilliant. Learned loads. Come on as little people. Come on as footballers. Really good bunch to work with, hang out with. Slightly nuts at times. And I was really clear that that didn't change. If they won or they lost, I would be equally proud of them. And all I asked was that they try their best. And so they did. Oh my God, did they try their best. The yo-yo game, 2-1 up, 3-2 down, 4-2 down, got a goal back, and they gave it everything to get an equaliser, and it didn't quite come off for them. And at the end, the 4-3 defeat, where they've given it everything and they've been cheering each other on and supporting one another. They handled the defeat really well. I think only one player in tears. And the rest were all proud of what they put in and what they'd done, well they all were. But I was upset. Not to the point of being tearful, although nearly. But it wasn't because they lost. Because especially now, a few weeks back, it doesn't bother me at all. But it was because I felt that their effort, their energy, their spirit, their support for one one another, what they were giving to their parents, I felt they deserved a happy ending. And for them, I guess it was. They were quite happy with their medal. They even got a runners-up trophy. And they got the glory of of their parents being super happy. Because there's nothing better as a parent than seeing your children try really hard at something. But I felt that their, as I say, their endeavour, their quality, they deserved a happy ending. And that is exactly how I feel about the England team. feel that the monkey's off the back, this is my own personal feelings now, I think the monkey's off the back, the semi-final the defeats the defeats have gone when you look back you know, my own England supporting career it's funny, I say this to my children nine and eight that at my age, or sorry, at their age in my life England had failed to qualify for two World Cups and finished rather dismally in one European Championships. So my first positive experience of watching England was 1982. Brian Robson scoring after 27 seconds in the first match against France. But then, since then, there's been varying degrees of hope 
expectation and pain that we've all suffered if you're an England an England football fan 86 the hand of God although we nearly got knocked out in the group stage 1990 losing on penalties Chris Waddle hitting the inside of the post not in his penalty bin in normal time so close the great Sir Bobby Robson Gazza's tears then 1996 it's coming home oh no it isn't the Germans win again through to 98 the amazing Michael Owen goal against Argentina in the World Cup in France and then that horrible period of experimentation with a good quality set of players but managers who didn't really care about the long term didn't really care about pushing England forward Capello, Sven-Goran Eriksson really disappointing years up until 2016 when Sir Gareth of Southgate stepped up to the plate and began to change everything and this group are different and this is the stuff that you have read loads about but the reality is simplify it down to, to three really strong components as to why it would be fantastic if it was rewarded with ultimate success and that is these players are really good they are very highly skilled very technically proficient a cut above anything we've had before certainly in terms of depth of talent but they are also a fantastic team that comes together fights for one another puts the team first and that's the point we'll come back to later but there's another dimension so the three dimensions is they're really good at football they're a really good team and they're really good role models And that last point is significant and I think and I think why well, I'd really like to see them win tonight. And the interesting thing is, like I say, the monkeys off the back of the semi-final defeats of the last World Cup, 96, 1990, things that I remember hitting, hitting me quite hard as a football fan. But now we're in a final. It feels to me like pressure's off. They can go and play. They've broken that semi-final losing habit and can now go and play. And, you know, obviously everyone's saying things like, we want to win it for the country. The country's had a tough time, well, so is Italy. So I'd like them to win it for themselves. I'd like them to win it for their own personal intrinsic value 
and there'll be loads of value outside of that though endorsements and obviously the salaries will bump up they'll all have to visit the queen for the some honours there's going to be loads of personal glory but I'd like I'd like them to win for intrinsic glory because they are good footballers they are a good team and they are excellent role models or certainly they have been excellent role models in the recent past I'll say that as a caveat in case someone uh, punches someone tonight and gets sent off and we lose and all goes horribly wrong because that could happen of course can't see it happening though can you but let's not forget the community aspect of all of this and that's another thing that's been well written about and will be even more so as time passes again especially if they win but there's this sense of collective effervescence where we're all united with energy around around something that's positive that's bringing our society together in a way that not many things can so the 2012 Olympics will probably be the only thing I can think of that comes close to it from a positive bringing together of society that I can think of and even that it's probably not as powerful as a working class sport like football and that term collective effervescence effervescence I haven't just made it up it comes from a French sociologist Emile Durkheim probably not how you say it and it's all about how you unite to a greater humanity that transcends yourself through a single event or a combined experience and it's only combined experiences of scale that can achieve it and that's what's going on so when people are out tonight honking their horns down your high street people are waving their England flags out of their cars it's not louts it's collective effervescence and what's particularly interesting about it is there's science around which I'm not going to go into now science around how these sorts of occasions provide collective healing from great trauma the great trauma obviously being the pandemic and if nothing else it has given us something else to just all talk about how long has the pandemic been the only source of conversation 
course, don't forget that we're talking this good game of how you know we are bringing ourselves together and how our players are role models, how our nation needs it. Just climbing a fence. Little little gate in my way. I'm over it now. On we go. Yeah, the Italians have had it too. It's not unique to us. They will be experiencing the same thing. And have just as much right to claim victory on that basis as England do. We are not entitled to the victory. So, where I wanted to go next, that's my own feelings, a little bit about how these things have played out. Where I want to go next is around leadership, and leadership in two dimensions, it's the what and then the how. And in this instance, they're both particularly important. So just starting with the what. I'm thinking about the what. What's been really clear, probably since 2018, but and the World Cup in Russia, where England got knocked out in the semi-finals. But probably since before then, since 2016, when, around 2014, when we were abjectly dumped out of the World Cup in Brazil and then the European Championships in 2016. There's a sense that lessons were learned and a vision was put into place and a vision that had purpose behind it. And I think in sport it's quite easy to set visions. Vision being where you're heading, what you want to have achieved, what you want to stand for. how you want to stand out and in sport it can often be about winning and there's no doubt that they set set themselves a goal of winning a major tournament no doubt but I don't think it's just that I think it was investing in grassroots football investing and having a structure through the national teams that layered up into a greater whole. So a philosophy through the senior team through to the under-21 team, under-20 team, under-18 team, under-15 teams. Creating commonality amongst all those players. And you know, bear in mind that 
there's a few members of the current squad who've been through that system. Jude Bellingham is 18. He was obviously 13 when England were knocked out in the semi-final of the World Cup five years ago. And he's been through that, that journey and understands it. So that when the senior team get together, as opposed to the past when it's an aggregation of club players who perhaps didn't even know each other or didn't get on with one another, trying to work to a completely different system and way of working. It's not like that, they come together and they know, they know what the score is. So it's taking time to set that vision but also to set it in more than one dimension. And then, so if, you know, to win a tournament, to invest in the grassroots and create a structure for grassroots that mirrors what happened to the, the, the elite level. They also had engaging the public. People had fallen out of love with the England football team. Journalists certainly had. So re-engaging with their public was clearly a big feature of that vision. So there are your what's. And they're all you know, hypotheses. I don't know those are exactly what they they set in their in their documents, in their PowerPoint presentations. But it looks likely that those were key elements of it. So that's the what, but the how is so important. And it's become increasingly important in sport because because I think of the focus historically on win at all costs. Not just in, well, in all sports and in British sport. Funding determined by the medals that you win or you might win. Rather than impact on society, impact on physical and mental health. And what that breeds, as I say, is a win-at-all-cost mentality where you end up with cultures like we saw in British cycling and in British gymnastics and probably in other sports as well. So the how becomes really important. And in this instance, in football, it's about the culture they bring and I'm going to talk about five things that I think is going on inside the England squad that you see from afar based on things that people have said and things you can see with your own eyes and those five things are empowerment creating systems being decisive but flexible empathetic and knowing when to peak there are my five little 
five little headlines if you will and I'm now going to go through each of those five but I'm going to do so by thinking about how they apply to running and how they apply to coaching and how they apply to coaching in endurance sport and also coaching in business and there's probably loads of other things in here that you'll have read about or will feature in the coming weeks and months but as I said at the beginning this is my take on it as it stands right now There's no particular order to these five things, but we'll start with empowerment. And what is really clear is the England management starting with Gareth Southgate give the players room, they give them opportunity. Opportunity to express themselves on and off the pitch. One of the things you never see is an image of Gareth Southgate barking instructions at someone. There'll be some gentle arm waving. But you never see you never see that side of a manager that's telling people what to do all the time on the pitch. And then off the pitch they are clearly encouraged to have a voice as well. from Raheem Sterling and Black Lives Matter to Marcus Rashford and Meals for School Children to Jude Bellingham sending messages to Emma Raducanu the teenage tennis player who featured heavily at Wimbledon this week it's all confident voices from very young men who are obviously allowed to have a voice and so I imagine on the training ground in the changing rooms in the canteens their perspectives are all all listened to And that's also what good coaching is. Good coaching is empowering people. You can't make decisions for people as a coach in any context. And you can't, you certainly can't perform for people. So you have to empower them give them choices make it make their own choices clear often it's about that it's about being an ear to understanding the consequences of their choices if I run this 5k tomorrow will it compromise my marathon in three months time 
it might. Depending on how you recover, what, where it fits into your training, how do we manipulate your training around it. And then what's more important, the marathon or the 5k? players as very young men have a lot of autonomy and again in coaching it's interesting because the textbooks around coaching will say that there's a spectrum of the way you deal with people from managing someone which is when you tell them what to do through to or counselling and beyond where people go on a journey of self-discovery and coaching will sit somewhere in the middle of all of that where the role is to help people to discover their own potential and what I describe performance coaching as helping people be the best they can be using high degrees of self-awareness as fuel. So really interesting to see how the approach to coaching in the England setup is managed. Because clearly they're not telling them how to kick a football. So there's lots of tactics involved. But the skill set is there. It's about facilitating a high performance level okay so that's empowerment next we are going into systems and this sounds very AI artificial intelligence computer oriented but it's not it's about being systematic and there clearly is a systemized approach to the way that they are working which is best exemplified through the the team formation the shape of the team on the pitch they've got some clear philosophies and players that either fit into that philosophy or who are pivotal to that philosophy but the key thing is everybody knows what that system is Harry Kane up top coming deep to collect the ball drawing defenders forwards to create space behind for the quick boys Sterling and whoever he chooses on the other, on the, on the other flank to get behind with fullbacks doing a certain job two midfielders in front of the defenders doing a certain job and everybody knows the system and can fit into it when asked to and that's one of the beauties of this team is that, or this squad is they've got so much depth it almost doesn't matter what team he picks 
if it doesn't work, you can just, if someone has a bad day or gets injured, just swap them out and put someone else on. Works a treat. But it is flexible, so things change in the course of a football match. And as a consequence of that, you might change the shape, change the formation, certainly change the personnel. And he does that from one match to another as well. But also what sits inside this this system approach where you know where you're at at any one time it's not random the people in it know what's going on which is a good system to have because everybody likes to feel comfortable everyone likes to belong what systems do you have in place for your running, what systems do you have in place in your in your work life? And I'm sure there are systems that sit behind the scenes at England as well as the team formation and the way they play. And part of that what that producing story is a focus on process rather than outcome. So if we know the system, we believe it works, we will stick to stick to that process, focus on the process, and the outcomes will take care of themselves. And the England cricket team did something exactly the same from their transformation from 2015 to 2019 World Cups. We'll have a system, we'll have a way of playing, we'll bring people in who suit that system, be flexible with the system when needs be, but we'll focus on the process and let the results take care of themselves. And you really get that sense with England that particularly against Denmark, 1-0 down, even 1-0, there's no rush, there's no panic. Teams of the past would have been bringing on a big centre forward and hitting long balls up from the back that they'd never practised before. Out of desperation, England stay calm, stuck to the plan, and the process eventually delivered. And I love that because it plays the two of the values of the milestone pursuit, patience and discipline. So patience to play the long game, to wait and not to force things. And then discipline to not panic when things start going wrong and to stay calm when things are going right and stay in the moment not getting ahead of yourselves. You heard them all say, 
done well, we've won that game. But the next game's coming up and that's what we're focusing on. It's all about the process. And of course in this systemized section there is also stuff about team over self, the collective over the individual. There are all number of different players who could have played in all sorts of different positions. Everyone's had their point of view on it. But it looks to me like all the players are thinking not about how many minutes they get on the pitch or whether they're getting the glory on the pitch it's about an investment in the, in the team, in the squad in the vision and in the how above the individual because they all know they're going to benefit they will all benefit And there's no better example of that than watching Jordan Henderson, who, had he not been injured leading up to the tournament, would definitely be in the starting team. But he seems very happy to be playing a small part as a substitute and doubtlessly a massive part on the training ground, in the hotel. A really positive influence as a slightly senior member of a young squad. Which brings me back to a comment that Roy Keane made. I'm not a fan of Roy Keane. But he said, that, I remember him saying before the tournament started, that if Jordan Henderson's not fit, he shouldn't be in the squad. But they say, his brilliant quote was, something like this, he said, uh, why do you have a player in the squad who can't play because they're, they're injured? And they say that he brings something to the team. He's good to have around the place. He says, what, what does he do? Does he, does he put on a show for everyone every night? Something like that. Well, I would suggest it's a bit more than that. And I'd suggest that's why Roy Keane didn't make a very good leader off the pitch. Okay. So, systematic, have a systemized approach everybody understands the third thing I wanted to talk about was decisiveness now some people say Gareth Southgate's a lovely bloke one of my friends says he's massively out of his depth well that might be true tactically but he definitely makes decisions switches team players in and out probably finds it really hard but he does it he even subbed the sub and I think that's a brilliant demonstration of flexible leadership or de decisive and flexible leadership Jack Grealish came on for the last, I don't know, 25 minutes or something of the Denmark game 
once we've got a goal and we're winning we needed to do something different and so we took him off again never happened and it's always been hideously embarrassing for the person who has he's basically saying that you're my second best option because you're not on the starting team but I'm bringing you on now but you didn't do a good enough job so I'm taking you off again and bringing someone else on so now you're my third best option and in a sport like football driven by ego masculine ego that's really a really hard thing to take but that must have been reframed you did your job you did half an hour and you did a job and it's team not self so this is what we're going to do and I think that's brilliant use people for what they're good at doing where they fit in and espouse the team over the self do so decisively brilliant leadership and for me the reason that's brilliant leadership is England teams have been criticised in the past for sticking to a plan only having one plan not being adaptable and flexible when things don't go wrong or when things go right and failing as a result and obviously a lot of the speak leadership speak these days is about how you learn from failure how you learn from mistakes and how you adapt and that goes back to my beliefs around goal setting is that particularly in business we're very good at setting goals at the beginning of the year and then running off to deliver them with lots of energy before getting to mid-year things have changed maybe a pandemic has hit and all of a sudden those goals are irrelevant but nobody's bothered to look back at them and adapt and change them think about things in a slightly different way so adapting to the external environment is critical and it's also true in endurance sport and how many times have we been prepared for a race only for the weather to take a turn for either the better or the worse on the day they have to be adaptable in mindset but also change strategy either run slower or have a heat or cold based strategy for your race there's definitely no good just cracking on as if nothing's changed okay let's move on to our fourth area so that was decisiveness and flexibility this is empathy, empathetic leadership and there's so much written about this I'm not going to overdwell on it 
but from the responses and the attitudes towards Black Lives Matter taking of the knee there is plenty of examples where the squad led by the manager have shown empathy the handing of a Christian Eriksen shirt to Denmark before the game on the whenever it was Wednesday empathy for their feelings their, what they might they've been through through the Christian Eriksen scare and with that empathy what comes assuming it's authentic what comes is forgiving mistakes and in football mistakes happen all the time people give the ball away a rash kick a foul a shot instead of a cross happens all the time and you have to forgive those mistakes to create a cohesive team unit and to create that sense of empowerment I was talking about earlier where people are are comfortable making their own decisions because they know they're not going to get blamed overtly if those decisions don't work out and then within that is the best part of the story of all which is the redemption of Gareth Southgate himself missing a penalty in Euro 96 leading to a German victory something that it took him varying amounts of time based on what he read recently to get over and forgive himself on and it's been interesting because when it's been put to him about that particularly during the tournament you must feel like redemption particularly when we beat Germany no not really so I can't change the past I can do is change the way people feel about the past or the present and that starts with changing the way he feels about himself and interestingly the same is true on the Italian side so Roberto Mancini the Italian manager been saying things like he never made it to a World Cup as a player for various reasons some discipline related and this is his opportunity at redemption there's more poetry or more symmetry in the England Italy and the England Italy match up And forgiving yourself 
It's something I talk a lot about with people in business and with athletes. People can be terribly hard on themselves. And of course, sometimes that's appropriate if there's been mistakes you've made, conscious choices you've made that have led to poor performance and choices that you knew would, but you perhaps thought they wouldn't for whatever reason. But it serves no purpose at all to accept those choices you made, forgive yourself for making them, understand the reasons why to avoid making them in the future and move on. And I think it's critical in both running and business. And a lot of that is about recognising the mistake in the first place or where at least understanding where things went wrong and having some self-awareness around that. But then, and then that is how you can forgive yourself. And I often talk about Nelson Mandela in these recordings, but one of the things that I really liked about some of his language was recognising his own imperfections, particularly around the relationships he had with his family. Specifically his wives and things he might have done. He goes, well, I'm not perfect, but I've learned to forgive myself and it's through learning to forgive myself that I'm able to forgive others. And of course, that was fundamental to the forgiving of the white South Africans was fundamental to the healing process which to be fair is obviously still ongoing but was fundamental to that process in South Africa in the 90s we're going deep aren't we let's move on so empathy really important characteristic the last thing I'm going to say on that is something I think I've said before which is that it is the thing that's most powerful about the empathetic leadership being shown by Gareth Southgate in particular, but also the players, is that the arena in which they are showing it in, which is football, which is typically lacked empathy. Leaders are bullish, boorish, sometimes bullies, often bullies, very male, very alpha, very egocentric and now we've got something completely different and that's why it's so good a man in football displaying empathetic leadership if it can be done there it can be done anywhere and look at the results so the last point want to make about leadership is knowing how to peak and when to peak the beginning of the tournament England did an effective job against Croatia 
to win 1-0 but nobody was singing from the rooftops that it's coming home not an amazing performance a solid one then followed the 0-0 draw against Scotland Graham Souness, a Scottish pundit saying oh, football ain't coming home with that lot Scotland triumphant for the moment in the sun but who wants to peak then? do the job in the group stages, get through the group you don't want to peaking in game one or game two out of potentially seven you don't want to be peaking by game six, game seven now it's arguable that England peaked at game five against Ukraine but maybe they'll properly peak tonight who knows and the same applies in business and in running when are you going to save yourself for your very best performances how are you going to build up to your very best performances you cannot do it day in day out it takes time and it takes energy management so when are you going to back off when are you going to go hard when are you going to be at your best and how do you be at your best think about the conditions in which you perform at your best another key feature of coaching people and let's hope that the Euro 2020 final in 2021 in front of 60,000 fans at Wembley on a Sunday night in July is England's peak moment it may not be they might have gone past their peak maybe Italy have to we'll find out soon enough and you'll probably have known from the very beginning so that draws it to an end I've enjoyed this jog around the forest and chat about football and leadership and all sorts of interesting stuff I've been away with it remember these are just my thoughts disagree with them as you will that's what it's all about but there's no doubt that it's the football and what's going on the collective effervescence is both exciting and fascinating and there's loads for us all to learn and what's playing out right in front of our very eyes there's a vision there's purpose there's a what and there's a real focus on how through empowerment being systematic being decisive but flexible being empathetic and peaking when it matters brilliant thanks very much thanks for joining me thanks for distracting me for this longer than expected 
ramble on this Sunday afternoon and I look forward to the match I hope you enjoy it as well and I'll speak to you again soon take care hold up what was that boring no flavor that was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.